we say in the morning when we wake up, you need to ask, you know, two questions. What am I in it for and how can I help? Um, and then the second thing is, is we want to have substance. You know, we want to choose tough. We want to have substance about us. What are we made of? And then the last one is significance. See, when your life's over with and somebody's talking about you in your funeral, they're going to say one of three things. He lived a life of success. He was a survivor or lived a life of significance. The first two are about you. The last one's about everybody else. Welcome to the Culture Classroom powered by Pro Quick Draw. I'm your host for the night, John Weaver. My co-host, John Torrey, will be joining us in later episodes. But tonight, you're in for a true treat as we have the head football coach at Gainesville High School, Josh Neblett, join the program. Coach Neblett is now the head football coach at Gainesville High School. Josh played football under Gene Stallings at the University of Alabama, where he was a three-year letterman for the Tide. He's the former head football coach at Hoover High School in Alabama, where his teams won six state championships in the 14 years he was there, going 92-8 and in region play and compiling over 120 wins in his stint at Hoover. In his first year at Gainesville, the Red Elephants played for the state championship, finishing 14-1 and in his state runners-up. During our conversation tonight, we talk about trust and truth inside of a program. He also tells us a story about becoming a coach and what it was like to be coached by his dad. He discusses the importance of knowing your standards and outlining them in your program versus having a set of rules. He talks about giving his assistants autonomy with their position group and how he wants them to be the head coach of their position. We also dive into winners versus losers and how winners have a system. It's also neat that we dive into five seconds that you have after your alarm goes off in the morning and how that can predict what kind of day you have. We also talk about what does it look like to be a contributor or a consumer in your program with a palms up or palms down mentality. We also get into his podcast called Chasing Best because that's what the Gainesville Red Elephants are doing this year, Chasing Best, and he also outlines what Chasing Best looks like. Ladies and gentlemen, this one is unbelievable. Get ready, buckle up. It's Josh Neblett. Coach, I want to welcome you here, and then I, there's one thing that I, I, I'm just going to start off with, and it's something that I heard, and I've never heard it put this way, but you were talking about you don't like people to buy into your program. You like them to trust in. Because then there's buy-in, that means they can sell out. And that yep. struck home with me when I was listening to that. And then I read that in one of your articles. Can you go into that as we start this podcast? Just what does that mean? And how has that affected your teams, your parents, your patrons, your boosters, all that stuff? Well, I mean, I think it all reverts back. First of all, I want to tell you, thank you for having me on. Um, you know, I told you earlier that, you know, I've taken some stuff that you do. Um, we've implemented in our program. One of those is high truth, high love. And, you know, when you look at the word truth and you look at the word trust, truth is about you. Trust is about us. Mm-hmm. And so we're really big in our program about us. And so when we talk about trust, like, you know, I think that's probably the hardest thing for people in this society, especially for young people that struggle because there's, there's a lot of one parent homes now. Um, and there's a lot of trust issues. And so, you know, I'm a, I'm in a very big commit, uh, conviction of my nonprofit foundation called chasing best is a conviction I have for men, um, that I'm trying to grow men into being, 
you know, the best fathers and the best husbands uh, they can be. And so that's got to be built slowly by having a trust. And so what I mean by that in our program is, is everybody said, hey, you had some buy-in last year. And I'm like, man, I, I, I just don't like that word buy-in. Um, I don't know what it is. It's just there was one day I was sitting there, and this is early in my coaching career, and I was like, you know, I think the problem is we're trying to get these guys to buy in. And then when times get tough, they start selling out. And so, you know, investment's not about the return that you get later on. Investment's about what do you put in it to start off with. And so, you know, we've been talking hard this week with our players about being invested. And it started during the summer with all of our mindsets we do in the offseason. But in the summer, we have mindset every Wednesday morning before we do anything in the team room. And, you know, the first one was connection. The second was growth. The third one was choose tough. And the fourth one was being invested. And, um, and when you're invested, there's no thought about selling out. I mean, like I told these guys, like when you put money in, like I don't invest money. I'm sorry. Like mine's in my bank and I know where it's at. So I don't care about it, you know, growing. Um, and people may say that's right or wrong, but I live in the moment. Um, and I'm like, most of the time when you put that, you don't really get it back. It just sits in there and keeps growing and you just get to tell everybody how much money you got, you know? And so uh, I just think it's big to know that for us in our program, that trust deal is, you know, number one, it's about character. It's an ethical trust. Number two, it's about confidence. Can you do your job? Number three is about caring. You know, how much personally do you trust and care for people? And then there's a combative trust, which means when we line up every Friday night or we go through things in our life, or we're going to have each other six. Right. I, I love how you do that. And I, and I love the, the chasing best because you hear a lot of people when they start about chasing best or a good job or you hear people say those types of things. I think that's the thing that as coaches, we want to maximize people every day to chase their very best. And I, I love how you have that. Um, and you're wearing that shirt right now, which is awesome uh, about chasing best. And that's what your podcast is called, too. But I want to go back to the to way back time machine when you started, when you're at Demopolis Academy, go back. And when coaching started to become something to you, because you have some Mississippi roots by when you played your first year at Southern Mississippi. So you have some yeah. Mississippi roots. Um, what was it from playing to your dad was a coach to you now getting into coaching uh, and having – success and you know people define success in so many different ways can you win championships or are you developing young men and what you've done is you've culminated that in hey the way we do things here is football and you told a kid i listened to one of your mic'd up things you told a kid like hey you had him around the show like oh, look this is football and this is gonna be tough this is getting you ready for life like all this yep. stuff is preparing you for life so my first thing is what got you into coaching and then my second part is how do you define set success in your program? Well, I, number one is I'm I'm blessed to have two unbelievable parents that, you know, are still alive. And, um, you know, I mean, there were some Fridays when I played for my dad. I didn't know how blessed I was just for the fact of being um, that uh, playing for him was was mighty tough. But and I think growing up, I mean, we grew up with a ball in our hands. I mean, when, you know, my mom would pick me up at kinder care, I mean, she'd – Every single day she brought my gear in, I put it on, and then they'd line, I'd line the kids up, have a run-through out to the car, and I'd go to my dad's practice. And so I thought I was on scholarship, like in kindergarten. And so when I grew up, we were just always around the game. And then I watched my dad make a difference in so many guys' lives. Um, you know, in the summer when everybody's there in the summer and it's, you know, nobody's there, it's just my dad was there and we were – 
you know, finding a game to play in the gym or my brother was locking me up in a locker or we were doing something, you know, as I got older, you started, you know, weed eating and cutting grass and he used you more, but you couldn't wait for two things. And that was the players show up for weight workouts. And when the helmets got back from reconditioning, I mean, it was just, that was the greatest thing ever, you know? And so <laughs> as a coach, as a coach's son, I was a gym rat. And so when I became in high school, my dad didn't have to hold the team meetings. I held them myself. And so I've just always been a guy that saw myself as being a leader. Um, I've saw myself as being a guy that wants to be an impact in people's lives. And I didn't chase, you know, a lot of times I think men chase a dream mm. and somebody just has to basically take it away from them. Um, and so for me, it wasn't about, you know, chasing the NFL. I mean, I knew when I was done that, Hey, I want to coach. And, uh, and I had a, I had a mindset and I had a vision of what I thought coaching was. I thought I wanted to coach in college ball. I did that for three years and, you know, that didn't, you know, quite work out the way I thought it was going to. Um, and there were some things that happened that I had no control over. And so I became a head high school coach 25 years ago and God's blessed me tremendously. It's a ministry. That's the reason why, you know, we've been successful. Um, and even the years that, you know, that we may not have had a great year, um, you know, it was still a success because of the things that we've been able to do in the ministry we've been able to have. I've been very fortunate, Coach. I mean, I have. I mean, I can't. And you have also. I mean, we, you know, when I was at Hoover, I think we played in the semifinals all 14 years. Uh, you know, we won six of them and we played for it three more times. You know, here I come here and, you know, we the first year we go 14 and one and go to the finals. So, you know, like, I told my wife every year, I'm like, babe, I just don't know this year. And she goes, oh, you say that every year, you know? And, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, and so I think the greatest thing about knowing that I was going to coach is I knew God had a calling on my life. And I think when we know that what we're doing is faith-based, um, then I think as we wake up every day, we don't see it as a, as a have-to moment. We see it as a get-to moment. And I think that's important. Yeah, the, the success that I see with you, and it's easy to – for if I was a player for you, if I go back and, and I take myself and I'm 17, I want to go play for you. I, I see that the work ethic and the drive that a leader has to, and you said you've been a head coach for 25 years. A lot of people say, I want to be that head coach. I want to be a head coach. But with that title of a leader comes a whole lot of responsibility. Well, I, I think the biggest thing, I think the biggest thing to say to that is, is this, like I, I ask our unit guys to be the head coaches of their room. All right. Um, now, I'm going to have a connection with our players. I'm in the weight room with them. I mean, I'm out on the field with them. You know, I mean, I'm doing everything to have a shared experience that I can with them because this is the only time I get with them. But they're going to respect me more the more they know how much I care about them. Right. Um, and so when I say that as a head coach, the problem is, is like sometimes assistant coaches can leave it a little bit, you know. Um, but as a head coach, you got to take it everywhere. And so – I have to see everything from 60,000 feet, whereas my unit coaches see it from 9,000 feet in their room. Um, you know, we're doing inside drill and, you know, nobody worries about the guy getting rolled up, you know, but me, you know, I'm the head coach. So I'm worried about every position getting banged up. Um, and so I think that's important. And I think the second part of your question, like, well, how do we define success? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's when we fulfill and hold our standards within our program to a high level. Um, we don't have rules in our program. Um, we have standards. If you give people rules, they look to break them. If you give people standards, they look to uphold them. 
And so that's the way we look at it. And I think that's when we know how successful we are is when our standards are at a high level. Yeah, I, I love how you said that because I know a lot of coaches, they have all these rules. But like you said, rules are meant to be broken. You know, if, yep. if I see, you know, leave the weight room this way, leave the lock, don't do this, don't do that, don't well, – that's like any teenager. It's like hey, I like the thrill of maybe getting that done versus standards. So let's let's talk about that for a second. What are some of the standards that's inside of Gainesville football – that that you hone in. So we're getting up ready for fall camp. It, it's starting in two weeks, right? We get here. What yeah. are some of the first team meeting stuff? What are some of the things um, that you can give our listeners and some coaches that are going through this, some nuggets of, hey, I'm having my first team meeting. Maybe they're a first year head coach and they're, yeah. they're going in this thing. And they're like, I don't know what to do. As a seasoned professional who's played in multiple championships, played at a very high level, you've played for the best program in the country, the University of Alabama, what are some things you can give them for their first team meeting? What do you tell them? What do you tell your kids? Well, I think the number one thing is, is my one advice I could give somebody when you walk in that room, don't make it about football. Um, you know, I think that's the highest thing. Standards, standards are what we're doing in a full life. And it's a football is a byproduct. It just gives us another opportunity to, to, to have those standards and hold them to a high level. But the only way we're going to learn them is out of life because we're, we're a person a whole lot longer than we are football players. Um, and so for us to learn that lesson, then it becomes muscle memory as far as what we're doing. Um, you know, within those standards in our program, we have two things that make up our DNA system. Number one is the standard. And our standard is, you know, we're going to serve every day. We're going to find people to serve. We're going to see it as a get-to moment, not a have-to moment. Um, we say in the morning when we wake up, you need to ask, you know, two questions. What am I in it for and how can I help? Um, and then the second thing is, is we want to have substance. You know, we want to choose tough. We want to have substance about us. What are we made of? And then the last one is significant. See, when your life's over with and somebody's talking about you in your funeral, they're going to say one of three things. He lived a life of success. He was a survivor or lived a life of significance. The first two are about you. The last one's about everybody else. And significance is about living a glorified God and all that you do. Um, and then the other part of that equation is, is you can have standards, but you better have a process. Right. And within our process, number one is people. Like, I mean, people are number one. Everything you do in life is going to involve people. And if you're not a people person and you don't care about relationships and you don't care about connection, you ain't going to make it very far. Um, and so we're real big about that in our program. Um, you know, number two is purpose. You know, it's it's about waking up every day with a purpose, not a plan. Plans change. But when you wake up every day, like my purpose is every day is, is if I can wake up every day and know that I'm going to chase best every day, there's two things you do in life. You either chase best or you run from worst. All right. And so I've always said this to twos. So you've done this before. You coach wide receivers, right, coach? Yes, and sir. So, you got that number two receiver and you're really working hard that that guy needs to be like pushing with the ones. But most of the time when you're a two, you're just trying not to be a three, you know, instead of being a one. And so that's, that's not chasing best. That's running from worst. And so that purpose you have, like your purpose is what feeds you. I mean, it's, it's going to be what dictates your day every day. And then the last one is passion. Everybody talks about that word, but then people are like, like, really, what is the definition? You know, passion is my why. You know, it's not what I have. It's not what I do. It's who I am. Right. right. And no matter what comes my way, that's what I do. And so as I walk in that room and I give you the advice of saying when you walk in, just make sure you know what your standards are and know that our kids understand that they will be evaluated by that every day. 
All right. And then we're not going to settle for less standards. Like we're going to keep pushing the chase best and we're going to keep pushing the envelope. And so how do we get that? Then that's what every team has to figure out. All right. Because every team's different. And then, Hey, those guys in that room that you're talking to, they better start leading each other. All right. Because when a player led team walks on a field on Friday night, they got a better opportunity to win than a coach led team. Absolutely. That's what I, I sent that to you, that Monday momentum that I put out every week. Yes. About how, I mean, there's so many things of where do you, when you go in, I know a lot of coaches go and set these core values and set this. And like you said, rules, well, you have standards. And yep. then you have, I think the biggest thing going forward with a lot of teams is you have to evaluate your leadership because everybody yep. wants leaders. But the hardest thing I think for people to understand is it's an easy word to roll off the tongue. I need you to be a leader. Well, we got to show them how to be a leader because some kids, yep. they're not going to be a leader. Um, and then the other thing is evaluate your leaders on how well they're leading. And then the last thing, if there are leaders on your team, do they need to be leaders? Do you need to value them as a leader? Um, so my question to you is real simple. When you look at team captains and leaders of your team, uh, or maybe even a leadership council, do you have any of that inside of Gainesville football? Do you do any of those things? Uh, or, or captains pick preseason? Are they postseason? Or how does that work inside of your football program? Well, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm the one that chooses that because, you know, I'm the one that feels like, I'm evaluating these guys in every facet of what they're doing. Um, and that's what I was going know, I, That's what I was and doing. I'm one of those it. guys. Yeah, yeah. And I'm one of those guys, Coach, where I see it all. Like, I'm a guy that I pick paper up off the ground because I look for it. All right? When I walk by the locker room, I'm listening for, for pan, profanity because I'm looking for teachable moments. So, like, I'm watching guys in every situation where some people don't do that. And so, for me, I'm always watching our kids to grow them and so when you're looking for leadership, it's like, you know, we just had a kid that had missed some workouts and, you know, and the the captains that I've got right now, and I didn't even have to name them captains. They just said, hey, we're captains. And like, they know, but they were the guys that were going to be that. And so they're like, hey, we're meeting with him in the morning at 6.15 before workouts. And so they handled their own meeting. And so that's when you know, like, you got a pretty special senior group um, and that I think a lot of times people feel like age, experience, mm. and titles what allows you to be a leader, and right. that ain't got nothing to do with it. And if anything, that's what holds you back from being a leader. Um, and a leader is one that'll set an example. Um, and and I think kids today struggle with that because kids just today struggle with communication. You know, they they don't they like. They like controversy, but only if it's on a phone and nobody could get to them. Right. You know, I mean, seriously. I mean, and though for us, you know, we're we're talking about that all the time. Like when we mindset, our guys have to have a notebook every day. All right. They have to have a notebook and a pen. I said, look, grown men put their phones up and take notes. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's highly important for us and what we do. Culture Classroom is sponsored by Pro Quick Draw, the dynamic playbook solution for modern coaches. Let technology work for you with time-saving features to eliminate the busy work so you can spend more time coaching. Our subscription comes with starter templates, stencils, and plays for you to begin building your playbook quickly. Give us a try for 30 days and keep all the templates you make during your trial. That's Pro Quick Draw. We're always constantly looking for those leaders, coach, and then you got to start looking for the ones that are younger, all right, because these guys are going to leave at some point in time. We do a deal after the season's over, we would call it passing the torch. And so 
when the season's over with last year, we played the state championship game, and then we came back in January. Well, before we start off-season workouts, we stand the seniors up in front, and we let them say anything they want. You know, they get to say, hey, look, man, make sure you keep working hard. Hey, I love y'all, and we enjoyed it. Thanks for helping us, you know, push this thing to another level, take it to another level. Now it's yours. And then they leave the room. Mm. So when they leave the room, that, that name room looks bare, you know? Yeah. But I tell the next seniors, I get them to stand up, and I said, hey, you see those guys just left? They ain't coming back to help you. They're done. Their eligibility is over with. This is your team now. And you can either make it your team or it can be my team. All right, but one way or the other, we're going to do the right things. And so that's kind of how we set up responsibility within our players and the commitment they got to have to it. Yeah, that's such a powerful uh, – one, that's a powerful message. But two, I'm a big picture guy in imagery of having that last team meeting and then telling those guys to leave. So now it's like like last year's seniors, they're not here. So who, who yep. are you going to rely on? Um, we're going through a big thing right now where we have a bunch of sophomores at receiver. Well – they had to play a little bit as freshmen in a championship game and they were green. They're still green to where now I'm telling them, yeah. like, you got to earn the rep that's on the field. You got to earn that rep and maximize that rep. So that's what we're playing with right now. And what a big thing. And I just told our guys this morning after we had two on two and then we had uh, our blitz pickup, I said, guys, you, you got to earn that rep. You got to maximize the people around you and maximize yourself. So you make sure that you're giving your best for this team. So that's whether it's the quarterback throwing the ball. And then I just kind of relayed to him. I said, look, you got – there's six things that have to happen before you even get a ball thrown to you, whether the play call and the snap's got to be right. <laughs> right read. Yeah. Gotta, I said, there are so many things. Yeah. So I love how you say, like, when, when you tell that team, those seniors to leave and thank you for your time and your commitment, then you pass the torch to those guys. So let's, let's flip the script. Now you talk about players. Let's talk about coaches because there's a lot of coaches that want to be head coaches. Yep. But there's also coaches that don't need to be head coaches. They're, they're, yep. they're, the law of the lid has knocked them up right to the top, and that's as far as they can go as an assistant coach or an OC or a DC or a special teams coordinator or whatever, but their lid is that. How do you give autonomy? Because you said earlier that you get you want the, head, the position coach to be the head coach of their position. How do you give that autonomy to them uh, to lead their group? Does that look special inside? of y'all's program or, or what, or is it just a standard that they know like, Hey, I need you to go and lead this group. Well, number one is when I hire a guy on our staff, cause we'll have some, you know, we'll have some turnover and different things like that. I think since 2000, God, I mean, since the 2009 or 10 or 11 staffs that I've had, there's probably been 17 or 18 of those guys now are head coaches, you know? And so, it's my job to get them prepared. I want the guys to stay on my staff as long as they want to be here, all right? And and I always try to educate them on when it is the right time. And, uh, you know, for some guys, they listen. Some guys don't. Um, but I think the biggest thing is is kind of everybody wants to be a head coach. Um, you know, my brother be the first to tell you. I mean, he was a head coach for nine years and then came with me at Hoover, and we were together for nine years or uh, eight years, and then – he left to become a head coach again, then came back. And, uh, you know, he loves being coordinator. He loves, you know, mm -hmm. he just loves that part of it. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me is, is I want to try to teach our guys how to do it the right way. Um, you know, I allow them to run their meetings. Um, now we have guidelines and we have standards just like we have with our players. And, you know, when you look at an arrow, if you have a big arrow and there's arrows inside that arrow, you know, 
we don't want all the arrows to look the same. We don't want them to be the same color and the same shape, but we want them going in the same direction. Correct. So as I set the parameters of, hey, here's where we are now, here's how we need to get it coached up. Um, but our guys, they have to be around different guys too. Like I see how they work with other kids. So when we draft players, you know, in the offseason, they've got a whole have a whole different different group. They can only have one position guy, you know, in their team. Um, so whether it's fundraiser or whether it's night of champions or off-season workouts, take and roll, they'll create relationships. All of our guys are in the weight room. You know, there is no standing around talking on your phone outside. There is no, hey, let's go do some prep in there in the office. Everybody's in the weight room, everybody's aligned, and then everybody's invested and they're locked in that moment. And I think by doing that, it allows our guys a lot of responsibility um, and then a lot of opportunities to connect with our program. Yeah, the major word I, I keep hearing, and this one of my biggest words is relationship in this whole in this whole show that we're doing, that if you don't have a relationship with a kid, it's out. It's out the window because right. that kid needs to know that you care about him more than football. So there will be times like I had our H back today. He came up to me and – he was like, hey, we're running this option thing. How do I know where the back is? How do I know if I'm going right or left? Like, Check the back. The, the back will yep. take you to where you're supposed to go in motion and all that stuff and the pitch relationship. And he's like, oh, man. I was like, that's a jack. And I got three jacks. So I just call him the law firm. And, <laughs> and I said, look, come here, law firm. He's like, yeah. I was like, man, I love you. I was like, I just want to tell you I appreciate you and I love you. And I think letting kids know that that you love them and you yeah. put this out and in a tweet, I think, right when you got to Gainesville, it was like, they know I love them. And they know like there was a tweet that you said, and you can correct me for that verbiage, but something along yeah. those lines where you're not scared to tell them you love them, that you yeah. that you want to invest in them. And I think that's one of the biggest pieces. Like football is a, a great vehicle. And there's gonna be a lot of times that success happens and you win, and there's gonna be times where the adversity strikes and you're gonna be able to teach another life lesson. But getting yeah. to influence. Uh, to impact, to maximize kids that are 16, 17, 18 years old. I mean, that, that's that's what I'm in it for. I'm in the kid business. So for you, how, and this is rhetorical, this is whatever, uh, relationships are a big piece of it. But the other side of this, Josh, is your faith. And I want to yeah. talk about this because yeah. um, you're a purple cow when it comes to this. You live this out. Uh, there's a lot of coaches that kind of compartmentalize. Hey, I'm coaching football. I can be weak at the tongue and all that stuff versus, hey, this is what God has blessed me with. And this is who I am. And God has called me to be great because he is I'm made in his image and he is great. So why wouldn't I be great? So let's talk about your faith a little bit and how is that transforms your teams? Because when you say you love somebody, you're getting to a deeper level. Yeah. You know? um, oh, you're right. Let's just talk about real quick on on how important is your faith, not only to these kids, but how you live your life. I mean, you're what, 51 years old and you look like you yep. still play for Alabama. <laughs> no, I don't know about that now. Now that's you, not me. That's you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, first of all, to God be the glory. I mean, like, you know, I'm not perfect by no means, um, but I'm very mindful and conscious of sin. Mm -hmm. And I'm very mindful and conscious of my thoughts and choices, which lead into my actions. Um, and I really want our kids to be led by an example that does not give them an excuse to do those things. Um, it reverts back to, 
holding others accountable with your standard. I mean, we have a no cuss rule in our program, you know, and so that's coaches, that's everybody. Now, am I going to say you've never hear one if you come here, but you know, I would hope you wouldn't, but you know, you might hear an AWS every now and then, but you know, for us, it's a standard and it's not a rule. It's a standard. And I tell you what's been awesome is how it's changed, you know, since I've been here, how it's changed this whole campus, our community, our whole staff. I mean, you know, you got guys that come on your staff and they know what you stand for. I mean, they know that. They know what they're signing up for now. Um, and to know that they send you scripture now, you know. And so, like, here everybody tells each other they love each other. Like, it, it's not one player. It's everybody. And they tell each other. They tell me. I mean, I've got five or six guys. They don't leave without coming to my office, giving me a hug, tell me they love me before they leave. And our coaches do the same thing. And our coaches tell each other they love each other. And so when you have that, um, i tell you something else. When you have that, then you have that high truth, high love, mm -hmm. is you can coach a kid hard. Because here's the deal. I tell kids this all the time. Don't take it personal when I coach you hard. Just know it's personalized, you know. So it's it's for you, all right. It's not to downgrade it. It's for you. It's to help you. And so – our kids, they want to know how much you care before they care how much you know. Um, and for us, we're going to love them and we're going to care for them. And, and God's blessed me tremendously. Um, you know, every day I get up, you know, I, I grab my phone. I have my scripture and, and I try to send out scripture every morning. And, you know, I always send a little bill out with it with praying hands. that says pray for our world. Um, and then, you know, I try to have my time to where when I'm riding in every day, I have 15 to 20 minute prayer time um, with with God, you know, and first thing I think is important is we have to be thankful for what we have. Um, I think a lot of times we pray for what we want, um, but I think we need to uplift God for what we have, whether you're in a great situation or not. You know, there's ebb and flows in life, you know, where just remember when the wave goes down, it's coming back up and God will never leave you nor forsake you. And so, you know, I live life with a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress. I put a lot of stress and anxiety on myself. Um, I struggle with that at times. Um, and I don't know where I would be if, if, if I didn't have God with that. Um, and so, you know, I try to lay, you know, I try to take off, you know, and put my cross and, and lay it at his feet and I want to take it up and follow him. And so I'm not perfect by no means, but I know what God's called me to be every day. And it's not football. See, I think things in life is, is we become so concerned with what we, what we have, right. And with what we have, we basically, it's, we got it because of what we do, mm. right? And then what we do is really solely made by who we are and that being. And I think we got to continue to work as men to be better at the being part. You know, football coach is just something I do, you know. Winning championships is just something I have. But who I am, I'm going to be a person, a father, and a husband a whole lot longer than I'm going to be a coach. And okay. so – if I can be an impact for his kingdom, then that's what we're doing. I mean, I still have my Bible study. We've been doing that for 20-something years. Um, you know, in my living room on Wednesday nights, we probably had over 300 kids get saved in our living room. Um, yeah. And I don't shy away from that, you know. And I don't, you know, and I'm not one that asks for forgiveness of that. I mean, like, that's that's what we do. And that's right. who we are. That's what we're called you know? to do. Called to make disciples exactly. for his kingdom. Well, I know. And you're the same way. And, and, and I appreciate the opportunity to be able to get on here and, because we have to all stick together, you know. I mean, we're in spiritual warfare. I mean, it's, you know, it's 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 good versus evil. It's light versus dark. And 
I think we all got to start supporting each other more because I think there's people out there that want to stand up for what's right, but they don't feel supported. And, uh, and I, and I appreciate that. I want you to know that. Well, thank you. Um, as we go into this, um, I started looking and and digging, but you got to tell me about your morning routine. Cause I saw it when you were at Hoover, (laughs) you get up at at the butt crack of dawn and go and you work out. I mean, you're walking into the school at like 4.55, 5.15, get your workout in. Um, tell us about that a little bit. Where'd that start? Is it just something that you started doing? Is it is it getting my life going and, and waking up before everybody else so I can I can go ahead and chase best yep. before anybody else does? Um, what is that? Because I think you, was it, you light a candle in your office too, right? Am I right about that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think the biggest thing is, is like for me, um, you know, I grew up kind of working out. And so, like, I mean, I remember being 12 years old and, you know, benching 145 finally. And, you know, so like, then I remember like as I got older in high school, how we got, you know, I just got started getting bigger and stronger. My body started changing. I was kind of a late bloomer. And then, you know, you get into college and, you know, most guys will say, you know, I'll never lift a weight again. I mean, I never said that. I mean, when when I got out of college, then that semester I was out, I kind of went into bodybuilding. And uh, I wanted to – and I played, like, professional softball. So I traveled and played softball a lot, which played a lot in Tupelo, uh, Mississippi, in the Gumtree Classic, matter of fact. Shout out to them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, and I got – really big and strong. And then I became a college coach and then I strength coached my last two years of college. So then I kind of got into powerlifting. And now the problem is now I don't have a labrum in either shoulder. All right. And so I struggle with that. Um, but when I got through coaching in Aniana about 2006 or seven, I just felt like, Hey, I've got to start doing some more cardio. You know, when I finished college, I was like, I'll never run again. You know, all the stuff we used to do at Alabama and so I started running like 12 minutes. And man, when I was done and like I'd finished the Boston Marathon, you know, I'd always lifted, but never really ran. And I still hate running. I still hate it. And I mean, that's 15 years ago when I started. But I can honestly say I've never had, I've never taken more than three to four days off in the last probably 25, 26 years um, from working out. Yeah. Um, and so I just think for me, um, I do my best thinking when I'm running. Okay. As much as I hate it, I do my best thinking. Um, and then I want to stay in shape. I want to look right. good. I want to stay in shape. And look, I love to eat. I love to eat. I do. <laughs> I mean, I can't even explain that to you how much I love to eat. And so, you know, in the mornings I get up early and my alarm goes off at four 30 and you know, I get up in the morning and my routine is I'm going to brush my teeth. Soon as I get up, I'm going to make my bed. And then my, of course my wife's on the other side of the bed and our two dogs. So, you know, then I go and I have me a little spark. And if I want a cup of coffee, I'll make a cup of coffee. And then I'm going to eat a banana and I'm headed out the door. And as soon as I get to the school, after I read my scripture, I mean, my earbuds go in and we take off running. And then once I go run, I usually run anywhere between 45 minutes to an hour. I'll come in and whatever lift I have that day, that's what I'll do. Um, If I think there's a day where, I need to lift with the players, then I'll lift with the players. Um, but that's that's kind of what I do. Um, and I take a lot of pride in it. I mean, I really do. And the older I get now, my metabolism changing a little bit. Um, so, you know, 
but I, we're our own worst critics. I'm sure you're like I am, you know? I mean, you know, and then you push a little harder. And, you know, some people like to do hit workouts and, you yeah. know, all that stuff that kind of went on. But I'm still an old school kind of, hey, I'm going to get some weights in and, and I'm going to run and try to do it the old-fashioned way and uh, try to eat as much as I can the right way. Yeah, my yep. goal is don't miss two days in a row. Just don't miss two Love days it. in a row. All right, so here we go. I want to I want to dive into this because as I go through your episodes in Chasing Best podcasts and your Chasing Best, the one that that hit me and I put this tweet out as soon as I listened to it. We were on our road on the way back from from the Hustle Up Seven on Seven, and I want to read this to our listeners just because it's it got me. And then I just rewound it and re listened to it again. Rewound. Let's do it again. I'm, I'm one of these. I like to listen to podcasts two or three times because you get something yep. out of it every time. But you said you can't, you cannot improve in a day, but you can improve daily. It's about marginal gains. It's about compound interest. Winners have a system. Uh, they have a routine. And what you just said about your workout routine and when you get up, I mean, that you have a routine that helps you be successful. Yeah. So let's talk about winners and, and having a routine and having a system that sets them up for success. Like what, go into that a little bit deeper for us. Well, it, the thing about it is, is like, I mean, I think the hardest thing for people to realize is a lot of people have goals in life, right? And so, you know, you start off the new year, everybody's got a goal. You know, I just, you know, I don't even go to the gym in January because it's so packed over there. So, you know, but I know in February, I got a system. They had goals. So their goals are done. And then my system, then I can go because, you know, you know how, I mean, that's just how it works. And so, in our program, we don't have goals. We have a system. And uh, and I think it's highly important because winners and losers wake up every day, and winners and losers have the same goals, okay? But the only thing that's different between a winner and a loser is a winner has a system, all right? They got a way in which they're going to be able to be at their best, like chasing best. I mean, they they have a way of getting there. And, and it's not a plan. It's a purpose, but it's a, it's a routine. Um, you know, you think about going to a game. Um, there's times in life that things don't work out quite the way. And you got to work on those things too now. All right. Because I think it's, it's, it's important to shock the body every now and then on a workout and, mm -hmm. you know, do something different. I'm not an afternoon workout guy by no means. All right. Our program here is we're a morning program team. We practice before school. Um, and so we have a routine. <clears throat> we have a system and our kids understand that. When you have a system, if your routine gets messed up, the system takes over. Mm. Okay. So, you know, I think it's highly important because within that system is standards. All right. That's how it all works. So your system is based off your standards. Okay. And so that's how we try to have like the day to day. Um, there's 86,400 seconds in a day. Time lost is time lost. You never get it back. So what you say you're going to do tomorrow, you'll never do because you didn't do it yesterday. And so, you know, it's just right. the way it works. Right. Um, but if I gave you $86,400 and I said at the end of the day now, I need it back, you wouldn't give me anything back and you would make them all count. You wouldn't That's just right. go out and buy just anything. Right. Um, so when I talked to our players every day, I was like, hey, man, you got 86,400 reasons today. All right. Yeah. And, I'm, and I always tell them, I was like, look, you won the lottery today. Did you know that? I mean, because think of all the, the, the heartbeats that you have within your body, like, and you woke up today and you got an opportunity to live, like yeah. you won life's lottery. Um, and so I think it's highly important that as you set a routine, 
if it gets thrown off, you can't go nuts. All right. I mean, you've been there. Hey, the bus didn't show up on Friday at the right time. All right. Then we get there and something happened, you know, Jimmy can't find his shoes. All right. And so we got warm ups, but it's raining. You know, what do we do now? Yeah. Um, you know, they didn't unlock the locker room for us. I mean, you know, there's just, there's certain things that can change your routine, but right. don't get me wrong. Winners have a system. They do. All right. And within that system is standards and those standards are set. So no matter what happens with, we always say this, you get the choice. You may not get the circumstance, all right? And you may not get the condition, but you get the choice. And so I think routine is based off a of choice. It's not based off of what's going on um, yeah. within what you're doing. And a lot of people are routine people and habit people. Yep. Yeah. I want to, I want to jump. I don't on. know if, I don't know if that helped any at oh, all. It did. I don't know if that answered. So no, it I'm did. Sure. It did, because when you look at winners versus losers, it goes into this, too. It's consumers versus contributors. Oh, no doubt. You know, and, and you choose that each day. So you choose to be a winner or a loser. Like, you wake up in the yep. morning, and, you know, if I, my alarm set at 445, 445, I'm like, why am I going to snooze yep. those two seconds? Like, what what else is that going to do for me? Hit it and let's go. Um, but I Well, think you have in life when you wake up every day, you have five seconds to make a decision on how the rest of your day is going to be. Right. So when your alarm clock goes off, you have five seconds to make a decision whether you're going to hit snooze or you're going to get up. And every what you do is going to dictate the rest of the day for you. That's and right. if you screw up your day by, oh, I'm just going to take 10 extra minutes, all right, your body's not used to 10 extra minutes. You know, <laughs> I mean, like, I just tell people all the time, like, how much sleep do you get? I said, I don't know. I mean, I know when my body says I need to go to sleep, I go to sleep, you know? Um, so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just the way you work. Yeah, and that my wife's big on that. She's a nurse, and she gets up at 4.30 in the morning, works out, and uh, she goes, what are all these people like? They're not getting REM sleep. They're out of sleep. I was like, I, I know. Like, get up. When the alarm goes off, just get up. Uh, yep. So, let, let's talk about consumers versus contributors, and then I'm going to ask you about your carrying trademark. But consumers versus contributors – uh, I see, and I call these guys on Friday night, the polo coaches, right? I, I think they're the consumers. They want the gear. They want all the stuff. Uh, and that, yep. look, in our profession, there are a lot of coaches out there that are like that. They want minimal effort. Uh, they want to have put in minimal time, but they want those big gains. They want everything in life. Like they want the 35 nothing on, on the scoreboard. They want all that stuff, right? Um, versus consumer and a contributor. So when you start looking at a contributor person that, that is servant minded, that they're going to serve others. They're going to go uh, and speak high truth, high love. They're going to go and yep. do the extra mile. They're going to spend extra time of, Hey, I, I see Jimmy starting to pull the water off. Well, I'm going to go help him pull the water off the field and, yep. and do all that stuff. So let's, let's talk about consumers, contributors uh, inside your program and just coaches in general. I think this is a, uh, an excellent uh, two things to look at when you compare and contrast these two. Uh, or actually you just contrast them because there's no comparison to a consumer. Yep. So uh, take it away. Well, I think, I think the biggest thing you're talking about is like the two questions I said, when you wake up every day, you know, like what am I in it for and how can I help? You know yeah. I mean? Yeah. Most players are going to ask yourself a question. Am I in it for myself? Or am I in it for the players? Like when you're invested, like when you invest in something, when you seek to make a connection, when you seek to have growth, choose tough, those things are, what allow your investment to be what it is. It either it either devalues it or it adds value mm -hmm. to it. So if you're not invested, whatever you're invested in is what's going to come out in the end, all right? And so, you know, if you got it inside of you, whatever it is, it's coming out, all right? And so 
I think the, the biggest thing, like, for us in our program is, is I want us to be a palms-down program, not a palms-up. Mm. You know, so if somebody reaches their hand out, we're going to fill it with, hey, palms-down, you know. But we're not going to walk in this building with palms-up. You know, I mean, we're, we're going to walk in this building because I think that's why a lot of churches fail now is because most people that are walking in there, they walk in there to co- consume instead of contribute. And, yeah. you know, yeah. when you go to church, you don't go to church for you. <laughs> You go to church to glorify and worship God. And so we wake up every day with that same mentality that everybody's supposed to serve me and I'm not supposed to serve others. And so, you know, Jesus said it best. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And, um, and I think it's, it's a hard mindset. It's a tough mindset. Um, He he came, he he showed us the way he, about three ways. You love, you serve and you care for people. Just how he lived on this earth. I mean, you love serving care and that's, that's kind of, my MO with our receivers, like I'm going to love them. I'm going to serve them and I'm going to care for them. Well, and, and it's kind of like when you talk to a receiver, right? I mean, it's a, what a great room to talk about. I mean, because, you know, number one is, I mean, they, everybody in that room wants the ball. right? And hey, look, everybody wants to be known. Everybody wants to have catches and touchdowns and all that kind of stuff. But we have a standard in our room. And if you don't block, you don't play. Mm-hmm. Right. If you don't block, you don't get the rock. And so then, and so, our guys know that, all right, because we got to teach them how to be contributors, right? Okay, um, you know, and I and I think that's probably the toughest thing is because social media today, you know, hey, I don't type in there to get likes to be a contributor. I'm typing in there to get likes, so I'm a consumer, right. you know, and uh, and it's a tough deal. I mean, it is. I mean, we're we're having to almost de-teach, um, you know, and de-learn them a little bit, um, but. Yeah, I think that's the hardest thing, but I think we got to live it. I think you're living it every day. I'm trying to live it every day. And if there's one kid or one person or one man or woman, family, you know, church, whatever organization that we can impact, um, then I think they've got the same opportunity to do the same thing. Yeah. So let's let's talk about saying it in your program. You said choose tough. And I don't think y'all shy away from saying the tough things to to kids. When you talk about coaching them, you love them, but you coach them out of love and you're going to coach them hard. Uh, When you say choose tough, what do you mean by that? Well, first of all, when you wake up every day, all right, look, you either choose to be the victor or you choose to be the victim, right? And so we live in a world today that tells you to choose victim most of the time, all Mm -hmm. right? And then, and so for me, when you walk in our building, you're going to be the victor, all right? I don't care if you're sick, you don't feel good or whatever. It's easy to choose easy, all right? But it takes it takes a lot of heart. It takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of commitment um, to choose tough. And anybody in this world can choose easy, all right? And so I think for for us and our program and what we try to teach is, is like, hey, when snooze goes and the alarm clock goes off in the morning, choosing tough is get up, all right? Um Taking the trash down on Tuesday mornings, choosing tough. Making your bed in the mornings, choosing tough. It ain't, hey, running into a wall, choosing tough, all right? But, hey, I don't feel good this morning, but I need to show up for workouts because there are a lot of people depending on me. Right. Choose tough, you know? Um, and I think in our program, we just try to teach our kids, hey, look, don't take the easy way out, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, we need to take the road that's less traveled. I mean, you know, we, we want to – and if we choose tough in the end, I tell people this all the time and kids too. Like a lot of kids today want to choose talent. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what they want to choose. They don't want to choose tough. I just want to be better than him. 
If I'm better than him, I don't have to be tougher than him. But what happens when you match up against somebody that's as good or better than you? What's going to be the difference? And toughness is going to be the difference. And our program is going to have a toughness about it. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what we're doing or, you know, whether we're in a team meeting or whether we're doing drills or whether we're in an inside drill on Tuesday or playing on Friday night in City Park, yeah. we got to choose tough. Yeah, I think a lot of people like the path of least resistance and the easy button, yeah. that big red easy button. They hit it like I, I just want this. I want I want the easy street of I don't I don't want to have good good pain. I don't want to have to make myself choose tough. I want to make myself choose easy because that's going to be the easy thing. And then you go back to what kids are, um, you know, about being selfish. I mean, they're born selfish. We're all born selfish. Is how we turn into being selfless when you talk about uh, a consumer yep. versus a contributor. Um, well, I think the other thing with that, too, is, is like, I'm not a – we have a thing here that's called chasing best, no options. Mm. I mean, you know, choosing tough is chasing best with no options. Like, don't give yourself an option. I don't care that you can come up with every excuse you want to come up with. And I can sit around here and come up with a bunch of excuses. And the other thing is, is we enable these kids, like, because we give them excuses. Right. You know? Um, and that's not what we're going to do here. Um, I think we protect them too much. Yeah. And – we got to grow them. If we need men in this community, if we need men in our country, all right, then we got to get them to understand, hey, look, man, there's no options. Like, you got a responsibility, okay? And it's choose tough every day, all right? And then let's let's get after it and let's figure out how much of a better man we can become. Yeah. Well, I want to get into this with you. It's one of my probably my favorite parts of interviewing someone uh, is your carrying trademark. You know, John Gordon talks about your carrying trademark. What sets you apart from different – uh, sets you totally apart from any leader uh, in this country. Uh, what sets you apart? What makes you different? What makes you stand out uh, that the kids know? And it's a two-part question is after that, like what legacy do you want to leave when when the ball coaching's over and everything's done and all the dust is settled and you hang it up and you got grandkids and they come and sit down? What's the legacy you want? So first is carrying trademark. And the second was, what's your legacy that you want to leave behind? I just think I'm always thinking. I mean, I'm always preparing. I'm always evaluating. I mean, I think great leaders always evaluate what's going on. They're always looking for not a way to reinvent the wheel, right. but within those natural standards that you have within your program, you know, what's a better way of doing it? You know, I'm going to find better ways. I'm the best thief there ever was. Um, and I mean, that's just who I am. I'm a, you know, if it's a football perspective, I'm looking for a way to have a better practice schedule. You know, how can we how can we get the game in practice all week? How can we split it up and get more out of a drill than just the drill itself? You know, um, and then how do I challenge people? I think great leaders challenge others mm. to rise. I think great leaders challenge others to push the envelope. Um, I don't want a bunch of guys that are good at being told what to do. All right, I'm going to give you an opportunity to – to have a responsibility, right? And if you can't do it, then I got to evaluate it and we got to move on. I got to do, got to have somebody else. Um, I'm not, and then I don't have an issue with making the, the hard decisions. Right. You know, I, I relish that. I love that. I mean, I love waking up every day and love my job. I love sitting behind this desk, not for the title, but for the responsibility that comes with it and the impact I get to make with it. Um, and I think that's my carrying trademark. That's what I love. Um, and our players know that. And I promise you this, if you ask any one of our players, they'd say, hey, coach loves us, coach cares about us, and coach will be here for us forever. Yeah, that's that's so – and that's so good to hear. Um, because this this profession, there's so many other of us that just want to 
they want to coach on Friday night. They want to see if they can yeah. win a couple of state titles. They want to be done. They don't want to make the the eternal impact. Uh, but the other thing with that too, though, coach, is like I'm a knowledgeable football coach. I mean, I still call our offense. That's right. You know, I'm still looking for ways to get better on offense. You know, I'm I'm actually, you know, and I'm not saying this for anything either, but like. I enjoy that part too. That gives me yeah. some sameness to be able to talk some right. offense. Right. I mean, I'm flying out Thursday to go to Colorado to do some offensive system um, taping, you know, for kind of like what we do. Um, and so that's kind of neat for me because I don't get to do all that all the time. Um, yeah. And I think I'm a hands-on coach. Like I'm a head coach that if you came around here, you may not know I was head coach. Now, you probably would to the point of being that I'm so into everything. Right. But, I mean, I'm everywhere. And I love to be everywhere because I want to be a part of all of it. Um, but I let my guys coach, and I let them lead, too. So, I got to tell you this. So, I was walking – we were walking down to the Hustle Up 7-on-7, seven seven, and uh, it was when y'all had a break, and y'all were uh, – I think your tent was right by Little Rock Christian or something. I was walking by. I was walking by one of your players. I said, have you seen Coach Neblett? He goes – Man, that dude beats his own drum. We can't keep up. I said, really? I said, what you think about it? I said, what do y'all think about it? They go, man, we love him. We love him. And yet, just having – they didn't even know who I was. I was just this coach that was burning up just like everybody else was on Friday. Was, <laughs> oh, Satan's arm no doubt. Oh. <laughs> but to hear them, and I, I just – I was looking for you, and we couldn't catch up and all that. And I, I was like – they're like, man, he beats his own drum. Like, we can't keep up with him. And that – that's a testament to, hey, you're the leader that knows everything that goes on with Gainesville football. Like, you are – you have to be ahead of the game with what things are going on and making the hard decisions and, you know, relishing in the fact that, hey, I get to call my offense. You know, I, yeah. a lot of people say culture is fluff. No, we still coach ball. We still win. Uh, yeah. Culture is the standard of the system and everything that we do inside of our program. Uh, so, my last question to you, what what's your legacy you want to leave? <laughs> Man, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, I think that that I cared and impacted as many lives as I could. Yeah, using the vehicle of football, um, and that the kids knew I cared about them more as a person than I did as a player. Yeah, um, I think that's what I want my legacy to be. Um, I really don't care if anybody says I was a good coach because I don't know how good of a coach I am, but what kind of mentor was I? Yeah. What kind of man was I? What kind of husband? What kind of father was I as far as being the example for those? Because I want a kid to come back here and go, Coach, you know why I wanted to be a father? Because I watched you do it. Oof. You know why I'm still with my wife? is because I saw you do it. Me and my wife just had our 25th wedding anniversary. And look, I told our players that. I'm proud of that. Yeah. I'm proud of being 51. I'm proud of being married for 25 years. Because most people in this life have struggled to live to be 51. That's right. And then most people ain't been married you know, for 25 years. That's right. And so I think I want my legacy to continue to be that. You know, my life's not about numbers, all right? But I'm going to tell you what, numbers are credibility for kids when you're dealing with kids that are younger because right. they look at numbers. You know, right. they look at those kind of things, and it's impactful. So um, I think that's probably my biggest thing, Coach. I mean, that's that's kind of what I want to leave behind that's for so sure. Good. I tell mine all the time, we've won six straight. I've been, I'm the head boys track coach, and we won six state titles. Uh, in the last eight years. And then wow. we've won three state titles. And uh, I just recently spoke to a men's group and I was telling them that I used to be a ring chaser and now I'm a relationship builder in my last love it. coaching instead of a ring chaser. They're like, well, do you love all these rings? And I brought all these rings and gave them to like, there's uh, two nine-year-old <laughs> boys. And I yeah. said, look, I'll play with them and all that stuff. And at the end, 
I said, you know, the most important ring I've ever worn, and I continue to wear every day, and it's this one. It's my commitment to yep. my life. That's the greatest hey, ring man. I've ever worn. Uh, so, anyway, Josh, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. Um, and look, if you're li- still listening to this, I, I want to tell you, you got to go and find this Chasing Best podcast on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Coach, you do an amazing job of outlining things. I, I dove into all of them. And then I dove into all of them again. We had a three and a half hour ride home. And I was like, I'm just going to keep listening. I'm going to keep listening. So well, I got cut my grass, all that stuff. Uh, but The summer's kind of been kind of swamped me a little bit. And I've had some travel stuff I had to do. So next week we're taping another one. And then we're going to try to tape them one every two weeks during the season. Um, we're also going to do a little all football one. So I'm going to have you on with me. Um, and so I look forward to that. And, uh, you know, Look forward to even creating a relationship with you and having a shared experience. I think the world of you and, well, and you. Uh, what y'all do there and utmost respect for you um, because the things that you're doing is impacting so many lives, not only there, but now with your podcast and, and impacting the whole country. And uh, I'm proud to be able to be on your show. Well, Coach, it's it's an honor to have you on here. And uh, best of luck to you this fall. Football is right around the corner. No doubt. Um Guys, keep listening to the Culture Classroom. Follow Chasing Best. Follow Coach. Uh, and I'll tell you what, when we get back into it, it's going to be football season here before we know we'll be kicking off on Friday night. So, uh, once again, thank you to everyone for listening to the Culture Classroom. We'll be back with more shows as we count down to kickoff.